Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. And today, guys, we are back with a, another banger, of course. To, we're going to be getting into uh, some late-season comments made by Mark Cuban. We think that we've kind of just let these sort of sit in the wind, sit in the dust, and, you know, continually get eroded. And we, we thought it was just finally ready to sift through these. Um, I'm, of course, you know, talking about the Mark Cuban comments before the Sacramento Kings game on April 5th, shortly before the season ended, uh, when he was talking about how the Mavericks didn't get a shot at re-signing Jalen Brunson. Um, this was a sort of centripetal piece of this uh, sort of article here by Tim McMahon uh, that rose to the forefront recently. Um, and another article with Tim Cato, uh, where he talked about, um, you know, just the Mavericks season in general. Uh, the downfall of it, uh, you know, sort of Mark Cuban's attitude towards the team, uh, as well as, you know, the, the possibility of Kyrie re-signing and all those sorts of things, you know, and, and just a sort of prelude to the offseason and a, a look ahead of sorts. And, you know, it, it made some buzz on Mavs Twitter and it was for a fairly substantial article to drop. It wasn't like Haralabas-esque in, in terms of its significance, but it definitely still holds some weight. So, you know, we're obviously been doing our season reviews and we've really enjoyed doing those with you guys. We've had a lot of fun talking about, um, you know, the different players and what have you, but we thought it was, you know, at least time for us to do a little bit of a current event tracking and, uh, you know, try to get ahead in that department just a little bit, even though that we are still going through the playoffs and, you know, obviously the draft lottery is coming up. Uh, we still wanted to do our due diligence and, you know, uh, get some housekeeping up in here and uh, talk about some things that are kind of going on with the Mavericks. So maybe a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know exactly how long this one's going to run, but definitely going to go, you know, dive and delve deep into uh, ownership and their whole, their, you know, their attitude, not just towards uh, the Brunson thing, but, you know, things happening this off season, we'll get into maybe some Nico stuff as well. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for podcasters. All right, Jaren. So getting into it, obviously we've been, you know, doing these season and in reviews for all these players ever since the season ended, and we really haven't got a chance to, you know, catch up and uh, and talk about some of our, uh, some of our more, you know, just sort of out outgoing thoughts after the season has uh, has wrapped up. Ever since we did our interview with Grant and we we did our sort of sort of end of season, uh, a brief summation, but we didn't really get into the. Uh, the sort of after effects of it all, you know, these, uh, these comments that came out by Cuban, this, this story by Tim Cato. So of course we wanted to go ahead and just uh, rehash some of the media that has came out of this situation where the Mavericks, you know, subsequently tanked their last two games and, you know, finished 38 and 44 on, you know, in an atrocious season and Lucas fifth year in the league, Jaron, um, you know, just since the season has ended, how, how have you been feeling personally? Uh, you know, it's always amazing to see a former Maverick going off in the playoffs, a.k.a. Jalen Brunson. So, 
you know, we've been feeling um, exuberant. No, I'm just saying. Uh, no, it's been quite depressing over here. Because, I, I, I mean, after all, I do think that this is, you know, a spot where the Mavericks should have been. Uh, clearly, you know, they fell way short of that and didn't even make the playoffs. And here we are today discussing, you know, basically everything that went wrong. Um, multiple articles, you know, basically timelining everything of, you know, what went wrong, um, who's to blame, who's blaming who. Um, and essentially, you know, I mean, the the whole totality of the 2022-23 NBA season for the Dallas Mavericks. So, um, you know, I, I think especially seeing the playoffs go on and uh, the success that the Lakers and the Miami have had, like, it's definitely a little bit more of a sour feeling. Uh, but even still, I, I do think I'm going to back my opinion um, of what we've been saying for the last month or two. If um, I, I do agree with this team's tanking. Um, so long as May 16th goes our way and we get a 10 pick or even a top four pick or whatever uh, our next obligations are in that. So uh, I, I would say, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I would say, uh, you know, we are um, feeling a little depressed over here in the mainstream mass podcast. So especially seeing uh, all the playoffs go on and it, it's been an amazing playoffs. I won't lie, but even still. Yeah, no, it's completely understandable. Um, just given. Uh, the, just the volatility of such, such a terrible situation uh, that that the mainstream mass podcast, of course, has encountered covering this team on a daily basis. You know, we started around the time that Jalen Brunson's departure was really at the forefront for the Mavericks. That's uh, when we started this podcast and we were oper- you know, optimistic that he was going to return, you know, only for things to uh, sort of seemingly go the other way. Uh, you know, maybe we were sort of uh, un unbeknownst to some of the things going behind the scenes at the time and we weren't really as plugged in but luckily Mark Cuban has been here to you know supply us the information that we need that that we were not able to get at the time and you know in, in this first article that we'll go over with Tim McMahon it was it was something that happened late in the season that was kind of caught up amidst all the uh, tankathon stuff with the whole Kings game and everything and he had, a, he had a little pregame media availability, and he didn't even do an exit interview. I don't believe Mark Cuban didn't, but he did do this uh, pregame media availability before the Kings game, and it, it was a sort of, a, I, I guess, triumphant little end-of-season spill to the media. Um, so, you know, in there, you know, he talks heavily about the, the Mavericks' just uh, inability and really unknowingness to, uh, to retain Jalen Brunson. Uh, you know, talking about how the situation was just sort of out of their control. I mean, honestly, that that was the the bulk of the conversation. Then it kind of deferred to uh, Cuban talking about the Mavericks' confidence to re-sign Irving and him talking about how great of a guy that is. Uh, but you know, we're not going to bear much credence to that till any of those um, sort of things start to happen this off season because uh the Mavericks track record in free agency and you know retra- re- retaining coveted free agents specifically point guards obviously isn't uh, anything to instill a lot of a lot of confidence in as a fan you know you have to go into that situation um you know at 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 the absolute best if you are just the happiest man on the planet you'd still need to be at least a little bit cautiously optimistic so what did you have to you know make of some of Cuban's anecdotes he showed reporters uh leaked text messages uh, in regards to some text messages from Brunson's agents to uh, Nico Harrison, um, you know, in regards to the dollar amount that you know, Jalen Brunson was seeking for the ensuing offseason and uh, 
you know, a variety of other things. So uh, what did you, what do you have to make of a, a Cuban sort of defensive anecdotes, I guess, the, in yeah. this Tim McMahon article, Jaren? That is basically what I was going to say is it, it looks like a guy who had uh, his back backed into a wall and he's trying to cover for his ass. So, um, you know, really, other than that, I do think, um, you know, basically everything that we figured Cuban would say was pretty much said in that article uh, from, you know, almost blaming it on other people um, to, you know, leaking text messages, which I guess in the Mavericks part kind of helped them out. But, you know, it, this was the funny part was not knowing the dollar amount that uh, New York was offering Jalen Brunson at the time, because that was in the national media for, I believe, over 24 hours at the, at that time. Uh, I don't remember what day that was, but I do remember it, it was a uh, talking point for a very long time. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that essentially all that sort of article or all the interview pretty much was, was uh, getting some, you know, water cleared up on the whole Jalen Brunson situation. And then of course, you know, how can you not duplicate that situation with Kyrie Irving? Um, you know, the Jalen Brunson situation pretty much from draft day on forward to his next four years as a Maverick was pretty much uh, about contract failure. Um, you know, the contract that he was assigned to, of course, made him an unrestricted free agent at the end of his fourth year. And, you know, that's where the Mavericks pretty much effed up from there. Uh, and they had to uh, cover for their tracks. And essentially, they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all uh, with that contract. And, you know, now we're in the situation where we are today. And of course, I think it was a month ago today where Cuban came out with those comments, just trying to, um, you know, cover for his ass, uh, cover for his mistakes. And, you know, it almost looks stupid, but I, I mean, I guess, you know, someone has to do it and it had to be him. But uh, with the whole Kyrie situation, you know, I hope uh, that they can essentially uh, mend some needs that have already, uh, you know, not, not mend some needs, but do something that hasn't happened before. And that's actually resign a, uh, a good contract or uh, maybe a good contract. We'll see, but start actually resign. yeah, start point guard. Yeah. There you yes, go. Cause they've already uh, let two of them walk within, uh, I guess the, uh, the last 18 years. So, yeah. So, mm -hmm. and those yeah. are, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, and all under the uh, Cuban administration. So all like uh, under the age of like 27 too, like all like it's right there in their prime, just uh Ready, ready to ascend, ready to win MVPs. That's what Jalen Brunson is. Maybe not poised to do with the Knicks, but you know he's he's on the yeah track record to to be awesome. them in a sort of in a sort of Villanova esque uh, Cinderella way if they're somehow able to dismantle the number eight seeded Heat. Um, so we'll, we'll see about that. It's a very intriguing playoff series, especially with Jimmy Butler's injury. But uh, nonetheless, that was just sort of the gist of that whole. Um, interview before the Kings game towards the end of the season. It did get a little more um, national buzz at the time. If I remember now looking back at it, it's not really as, as shocking as I think it was when it made headlines, but I do want to make point of one other thing in the article. Um, Cuban talked about how the Mavericks wouldn't, uh, you know, th there was no essentially meaning in, uh, offering Jalen Brunson the $56 million four-year extension that they were um, poised to have supposedly offered him in uh, January or February of 2022, because he was, you know, obviously already, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the door, you know, lined up waiting for that, uh, that, that summer new contract to kick in. And uh, Rick Brunson had said as much that, you know, he thought his son was an 18 to $23 million player. Um, so obviously, 
the, the Mavericks sort of uh, d- deferred, and uh, it seems as if there was never a, an offer on that extension made, but, you know, not not necessarily to the Mavericks. Maybe uh, inability to offer the extension, but more so just out of, out of respect for Brunson and, and his camp, you know, not wanting to shortchange him or, you know, make him feel belittled by an amount that they didn't, you know, deem he was worthy of. You know, they probably thought he was worthy of much more. Uh, are you taking more credence to to Cuban and the Mavericks side in this situation or uh, Rick Brunson and his camp? No, I mean, I'm going to take uh, like I'm going to take more credence to Mark Cuban's comments. Um, You know, I don't feel like uh, necessarily one person stepping in. And of course, you know, it's Rick Brunson. And I do believe that at the time he was hired as the New York assistant coach. He was um, not. No, he was not. Oh, he was not by then. Okay. Not until May of 2022. Okay. All right. Well, that I did not know. But um, yeah, so, you know, he didn't have, I guess he still did have ties with New York, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to take more credence to what Cuban said, because that one to me was like the, the best comment of trying to blame someone else for your problems. Um, that to me was very childish, I feel like. Uh, and I mean, I think he just had to come up with something to say, and that's the one thing that he came up to say. So, you know, I'm going to take more credence into that. I don't think, you know, Maybe Rick Brunson stepping in definitely affected things. Uh, maybe he put some words into Jalen Brunson's head that, you know, maybe he wasn't thinking beforehand uh, or just some dollar amounts that he wasn't thinking beforehand. But even in that case, I, I do think the Mavericks should have had an allotted dollar amount um, or even, you know, a range at which they thought that he could resign. And even Cuban came up uh, and I, I forget, I think it was the final game or something like that. He came out and pretty much said, we have the money to resign him. So, you know, from that point on, I, I just think it was all pretty much downhill from there. Yeah, especially with the whole Fred Van Vliet money leak, you know, saying that they were only willing to offer him that supposed dollar amount. And I can't even remember what, what exactly Fred Van Vliet money is again. Isn't it like five for 105 or something like that? Yeah, around there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously even a smaller figure than Br- Brunson was able to accrue with New York um, in the ensuing weeks. And obviously his, his contract is looked at as a, as, as, as a sort of value on the dollar contract now um, with just how, how much he's took a step this year and improved as a player. So, you know, that in itself obviously had me feeling a little bit weary as I uh, was reading these articles beforehand before we started the podcast, but the Tim Cato article definitely uh, took me aback a little bit more, uh, more so just because, you know, it was more fresh and and new information, and he he had a unique way of being able to um, encapsulate all of the season's failures into one article. Um, he I feel like he kind of hit the nail on the head uh, with every bad talking point about the Mavericks. So it made me feel very excited for uh, next season and, and the ensuing off season, just given the. Um, the possibilities that the Mavericks have to really fuck this up. So, um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that was my brief summation to the, uh, the Tim Hart, Tim Cato article. And uh, we, we have it pulled up right here. I believe it is titled after the seat, after season of misery Mavericks face uncertain future. Can Dallas bring back Kyrie and keep Luca happy? Um, and uh, of course it kind of just goes over the whole, Jalen Brunson situation, uh, the Mavericks, um, you know, wanting to bring back Kyrie, 
uh, the whole, you know, sort of slope with the Christian Wood situation, uh, plan to like load manage Luca. There's a lot of, you know, different little nuggets and tidbits in here, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess we can kind of just dissect it uh, sequentially in this instance, Jaron. Um, if you want to maybe just start at the beginning here, um, you know, the first, uh, you know, paragraph or so uh, or, or two here, you know, goes into detail in regards to Kyrie making a uh, an appearance at, you know, Paycom Center um, out in Los Angeles, California, attending the, uh, the Lakers playoff game versus the Kings, I believe, or it may have been game one versus the Warriors. Well, it was game – I actually – No, it would have been game uh, six. Game versus, six, game six, yeah. Yeah, it was game six versus the Kings. Um, you know, Irving the subsequently – Or the Grizzlies, yes, my mistake. Uh, Irving subsequently, uh, you know, daps up LeBron in the tunnel after the game, um, you know, was was there with his daughter, I believe, Azuri, having, having a blast, you know, and enjoying the ambiance of the Paycom Center. Obviously got a few Mavs fans worried. Me personally, I never took it more than just a, a fellow NBA superstar, you know, enjoying the uh, sort of communal aspect of the NBA, getting to link up with one of his former teammates uh, just for, you know, a, a quick high and a sort of congratulatory uh, hug and things of that nature. But obviously, you know, Cato had since come out in the, uh, you know, some of the ensuing paragraphs of that article where he said that the Lakers do not have any interest in, in Kyrie Irving as of right now after, you know, acquiring a slew of rotational players at the trade deadline. But we all know things in the NBA are volatile and subject to change at a moment's notice, you know, just depending on how a certain playoff series could go. So w- what did you have to make of Kyrie going out to the uh, to the Lakers game? Or are you reading into it or are you, or are you not? Yeah, I'm I'm passing that along as just, you know, as what you said, basically a superstar just revisiting some old friends uh, and taking a, a weekend trip. Uh, but, you know, even still, I, you know, I can understand why there's media surrounding it, but I, I don't understand why people are freaking out, in my opinion. Um, I didn't take too much into it. Again, you know, I, I think Kyrie's probably one of the guys who's going to go visit uh, you know, teams along that line, even if he was, you know, under contract for five years with the Mavericks, I, you know, I don't think that the the fans or, um, you know, national media should really even be, be paying attention to it. But, you know, we are here today. And, I, I'm, you know, I mean, it is kind of stupid that you have to cover stories like that again. But still, I mean, you know, whenever I think it's James Harden follows Jabari Smith, you know, that's breaking news, too. So uh, who knows what these days uh, attention media. So but yeah, I'm not taking too much into that. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. Um, I don't think that I would take too much credence to that, um, his little outing in Los Angeles. But, you know, some of the uh, other things in this article are a little bit more discernible and uh, noticeable, to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it does get into the Brunson situation, as we kind of just alluded to. And, uh, you know, the Mavericks obviously had lost Jalen Brunson. Uh, having you know subsequently went 38 and 44 this year and they're they're on this sort of track right now to mend the wrongs of the past almost uh where you know they're they just had to expel a first round pick and and key rotational players dorian finney smith and spencer dinwiddie to go and get Kyrie, who you know maybe is probably better than jalen brunson at this stage in his in their respective careers but you know Kyrie's on the on the wrong side of 30 and you know brunson's on the right side 
uh, that there might be some sort of equilibrium point in, in which they, they transcend each, or Brunson rather transcends Kyrie, and then he's able to pass up on him. Uh, just given how much he has improved this year and uh, has really taken his game to uh, the next level on a consistent basis, you know, obviously the Mavericks, they really screwed up here, really lost out. Um, so just with that being said, uh, you know, Luca was obviously uh, a bit displeased at the season's end. And that was made uh, pretty, pretty uh, substantial, substantially notable um, in this article. What do you, are, are you at a, any sort of a worriness level in terms of Doncic staying in Dallas down the line, um, you know, especially given the whole JB situation, how it ended, or um, do you feel good just given that Luca said that Mavs fans shouldn't have to worry right now that every, you know, that he easily staying for the time being? Uh, you know, I think, you know, me personally, I'm in the department of, I could very well see him leaving next year. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. I think the Mavericks should operate in that way. You know, I think that they need to make it at an utmost priority to re-sign Kyrie and to improve this roster around the margins because this team uh, has plenty of holes. And I think that they were at the very least exposed uh, throughout, you know, pretty much every game this season. So I'm going to operate, you know, in the department that I, I'm, you know, personally a little worried um, that he's going to leave next year if, you know, uh, if those holes aren't mended and if Kyrie isn't re-signed. Um, I think May 16th, of course, that's draft, draft lottery day. I think that's going to have a lot of say in what what happens or what goes on. Uh, for possibly the next year up to possibly even the next five. Uh, I think that this, you know, that one day could have a lot of uh, say in what happens with the whole Luca situation and how this team builds around that. So I, you know, me personally, like I said, I'm going to operate under the jurisdiction that, you know, Kyrie or that uh, Luca could possibly be out by summer of 2024. What do you think exactly would warrant Luca leaving um, by the summer of 2024? Uh, What sort of chain of events would have to happen for, something so cataclysmic to to occur yeah I mean I, I think it starts you know of course as I mentioned with May 16th I think if the Mavericks I think it's a 20.2 percent chance that uh, they could possibly end up with the 11th pick and of course that would be opted into uh, into the New York Knicks uh, for their draft lottery so I, I think if that you know happens uh, if Kyrie doesn't resign and if the Mavericks just haven't uh, like of what we've seen uh, another failed summer I think that that could definitely you know sort of trail into the direction of uh, unhappy Luca, And I think that we saw him pretty much, um, you know, from all-star break on, like that's, you know, we don't want to see unhappy Luca. Um, you know, first off, he doesn't play the best basketball. And, you know, second off, you can even see it on the court. You know, he's always a guy that's played with um, joyfulness or at least a sense of happiness. And, you know, you could see it wear on throughout the season that, you know, it just, it, it simply wasn't there. Basketball wasn't fun for him. Um, and I could very well see him getting disgruntled enough, not maybe not to request a trade, but um, to, you know, sort of put some things on the table that, hey, like, you know, I'm ready to go. So I, you know, I guess that is technically forcing a trade, but um, that's, you know, I think the timeline that, you know, if, if the, everything were to go wrong, uh, that's probably what would happen, or at least most likely what would happen. So I, I think if the Mavericks, as I mentioned before, um, can mend more than half of those problems or 75% of those problems. I think there's probably a good chance he'll stay uh, uh, probably up until the end of his contract, but even still, I think that there's no guarantee past 2024. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. It's almost 
you know, like young Anakin Skywalker-esque in, you know, in terms of how Luca operates with those sort of uh, things just because, you know, when, when he gets in the middle of the game, like you said, and he, he just gets so pissed off sometimes, sometimes the dark side kind of works to his advantage and he yeah. just start, kind of buries guys into basket stanchions, but sometimes his frustrations cloud his mind and he, he's 15 not a, technicals. Yes. And he, uh, he gets away from the ways of the Jedi. So um, those are definitely things he's obviously going to have to work on, but uh, nonetheless, on a, you know, more serious note, I thought everything you said definitely held some, uh, some credence to it for sure. Um, so, you know, just with that being said, um, with, you know, these sort of, with, with all the smoke in the water, at least in regards to things potentially being set up for Luca to leave, if everything were to go completely haywire, you know, whether he's admitting to admit that plug publicly or not, I think if, you know, if not next season, we could at least all acknowledge that that, uh, that opportunity would present itself for him uh, once he approaches the end of his contract here in, Di- in, in Dallas, I, I believe here at the end of uh, what would it be like the 2025 season. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, there, de- there definitely could be some issues that persist there, of course. Um, but what do you have to think um, of the Mavericks just in regards to them always playing catch up? You know, we see in ever since really the Luca era, has, has got off to, uh, you know, a start here and it, it's catalyzed. It, it almost seems as if the Mavericks are, are dealing all these picks out the door. Um, you know, i.e. the, uh, you know, Chris Stapp's Porzingis trade, um, you know, the, uh, the 2020 draft night with, with Josh Green and everything, and, you know, not pulling the trigger on Halliburton, you know, they, like, you know, they, all these, all these weird different deals they make or, or don't make for that, for that matter, they, they seem to come to the forefront eventually. And, and they're like biting them, you know, in the ass continually. And this team's like having to mend the sort of wrongs of the past. Like, Oh, we always know now we need to get this secondary ball handler because uh, we failed on Josh Richardson. And they're sort of doing the same thing here after this Jalen Brunson situation ended with Kyrie giving up a first round pick. They only have one now, um, you know, is asset sort of strangle held as this team is, how screwed are they if they do not get their pick on May 16th? Well, well, I mean, you know, essentially, I, I think I, uh, I, I believe we were hanging out one time a few weeks ago, and I believe that I pretty much said that if May 16th doesn't go the Mavericks way, this team is essentially fucked. I think it's probably the best way to put it. So, uh, no, but in all seriousness, like, it, you know, getting this top 10 pick would help out a lot, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's draft or whether yeah whether it's draft assets where they do, they do choose to uh, use that tenth pick or uh, any pick above that um, to draft a player or even to use it for trade capital uh, you know there is really no negative well actually let me let me rephrase that because we've said that before um, there you know essentially is no negative uh, with having the tenth overall pick or, or even a pick inside the top ten for that matter so uh, I think the Mavericks they can do so many different things um, with that pick. Uh, if they do indeed get it. Um, and if not, then, you know, as I said, I mean, this team's pretty much going to be screwed from here on out because I, you know, I pretty much think that it's the writing on the script for what could be uh, Luca's eventual departure. Then I, I think it starts on May 16th. If uh, that 20.2% does actually happen and the Mavericks do fall out of the top 10. Some would argue uh, that the, that the contingency scenario where the Mavericks do not get their pick in this instance 
would actually really not be uh, that um, it, it wouldn't be as obstructing as um, I think some people are thinking about it at first glance, as some people would argue, maybe not, that's not necessarily what I'm arguing, but a, a lot of people are very attuned to the fact that the Mavericks will, of course, you know, if they convey this pick, then, you know, have that 2025 first round pick as well as their 2027 first round pick to be able to deal on draft night. And, you know, if they do end up keeping this pick, they, you know, via the Stepien rule, they won't have that 2025 first round pick to deal. Uh, so the Mavericks are going to be having two first round picks to deal, um, you know, regardless. Could you speak a little bit just to the significance of, of a top 10 pick and the, and the value that it holds around draft time specifically, uh, you know, contrary to maybe a, a 2025 future first? Like what, what is the difference between a 2023 first round top 10 protected pick versus a, a 2025 just future first two years from now? Yeah, I mean, like, look, like, uh, you know, 2023 is now, you know, they know what sort of range they're going to be in, uh, whether it's one through 10. Uh, if they do choose to trade that, you know, that's going to be much more, you know, a valued trade value uh, compared to possibly a 2025 first where the Mavericks don't know where they're going to be. They could possibly be um, a top two, ten, uh, top two team in the league, or they could possibly be, you know, a bottom team. There's just really no guarantee in that sense. So I think, you know, in terms of trade value, I, I do think the 2023 first round pick is a lot better uh, because, again, it is now. Um, you also know, you know, the range of which picks you are getting. Uh, and also this, you know, I, I don't mean to toot this draft class horn, but this draft class seems to be one of the more loaded classes in a very, very long time. Um, maybe it's probably since Luca's 2018 draft class. Um, I, I do think, you know, there is a level or an amount of guys that you can get even outside of the lottery for that matter, uh, that can probably make a huge difference on your team. Uh, and I, I do think, you know, if there is a top 10 pick, uh, that the Mavericks do get, or, you know, anywhere from, you know, one to four or anything like that, I think that you're going to get a difference maker. Um, and I, I think, you know, if they do trade it, or if they do decide to trade that pick, the, the trade capital or the, the trade assets, I should say, um with that pick alone and maybe if you even attach another player like there is a world in which you can get some high level names uh on this Mavericks roster or you know I know Will you've been vocal about this but getting more depth instead of just one player uh to bolster up uh you know that center spot or whatever it may be um which I think you know there can be arguments made for that but the, you know you can attach this pick uh whether, whatever pick it is um and you can use it you know to your to your advantage uh, because of how loaded this draft class is. No, I think that that was a great summation of the uh, different possibilities surrounding the Mavericks, um, you know, asset management with this potential top 10 pick. And you look at some of the different possibilities across the board here. Um, you know, the Mavericks could obviously trade up if they, they land inside the top 10, perhaps they want to target a player within maybe the top seven or the top five, they could always trade back and potentially get another player from another team and, uh, you know, as well as still keep a first round pick. Um, and, and I mean, they can just trade the pick straight up for, for players and what have you. So, you know, a, as we become, you know, closer to the draft, uh, you know, this, this team clearly lacks you know, a, a track history of, of two things, you know, one of which is, uh, you know, draft capital to which they've developed to their own name uh, throughout their organization. They, they uh, obviously lack any sort of prominence there. Uh, they continually, anytime they get anything, 
of that sort, you know, whether it be, you know, Jalen Brunson or, um, you know, in previous years, um, I mean, shit, we got to go back to, to the days when we're talking about first round picks that panned out for the Mavericks. You know, we're talking about, I think, uh, you know, Josh, Josh Howard. Yeah. Um, I think Marquise Daniels was either a, a first or a second round pick. You guys can meme on me for uh, any of you elder statesmen out there in the Mavericks community. Um, I, I am not, you know, uh, I, I'm just not educated enough. I apologize. I need, I need to touch up on some of my early 2000s Mavericks history. But, um, you know, this this team has definitely shown a negligence toward towards building through the draft. Uh, you know, but conversely, you do have a, a 31-year-old Kyrie Irving who, you know, is as good as he played last year, you know, is a very uh, volatile asset that, we, that we've seen sort of uh, make very rash decisions throughout his career. That's not a, a knock on him as a person. That's just, you know, stating a fact. And we don't know exactly what he's going to do this free agent. It's not like you came in here and you earned his respect post-trade deadline by uh, basically um, being a scoundrel and losing the rest of your games and tanking the last two games. And I don't, I'm not saying Kyrie was vehemently against that prerogative, but, you know, I don't think that he, uh, he was all too giddy and off the walls for that, um, that sort of chain of events to unfold. So it, it's an interesting balancing act that the Mavericks are going to have to uh, really perfect. And that's, it's kind of why I've been, you know, increasingly keen to, just trading back and seeing if you can get a, a you know a win now ready role player because I, I listened to 77 minutes in heaven recently with with Tim Cato and uh you know his esteemed guest Austin Gruya and Austin Gruya he brought up you know a great point on their podcast and uh you know that this team is not just one to two moves away if anything you know last year shows that they're like more in the the three four range of, of moves to way moves away so you know I, I think that you could you know subsequently make kind of two moves in one trade if you're maybe able to trade back into the first round and get get somebody late lottery um potentially like a like a Derek lively or something like that and uh and then you know also accumulate a role player from under the team uh, and at that point maybe you just want to bolster up the wing and the big men depth a little bit you know chase a star you you have some some other options and you still have that 2027 first round pick on the table. So um, they've obviously sort of strangle held themselves with, you know, all these assets going out the door in the Luca era and it, they are having to sort of play catch up to effect to an effect. But, you know, if they can, you know, kind of get one move to remediate some of the uh, assets that they go, that, that, that went out the door, or, you know, they say even like you trade back, you know, where they're at currently, if they were to land inside the top four, I mean, even, you know, that gives you, you know, tenfold the flexibility. You could perhaps do that same, like, you know, structure trade, trade back into the late lottery or the, the early twenties, but, you know, get another role player as well as another, you know, future first. If you have a team that that's desperately trying to move up into the top four to get like one of those coveted guys, you know, you could totally reshift the dynamic of your team, maybe get a, a role player instead, maybe as good as like a miles Turner um, and then, you know, add him along with an, another wing in the late lottery. So that they have an abundance of opportunities really um, awaiting them if they're just able to swing a little bit of luck. And I mean, the, the higher they get, because they can only land inside the top four, or I believe uh, they can be the 10th pick. So 
you know, they, they have about a 15 or so percent chance of landing with inside the top four, which is a worse chance than them. Uh, and you know, that's a, that's a worse chance than them conveying their, their pick to the Nick, which is 20.2%. So it, it'll be a really interesting uh, dynamic, you know, that's, that's sort of at hand here. Um, seeing how, you know, high the pick is and how much that affects their future. But I, I think, you know, I sort of land on just given how deep of the draft class is and how top heavy this is, you know, if they can just at least stay at 10, uh, that's just going to lead to so much more possibilities, uh, so much more avenues for improvement um, that would otherwise, you know, be, uh, you know, more, more than just marginally difficult if they weren't to do that. They, you know, I, even if they're, they're able to trade the 2025 first round pick, I, I do still think that, you know, that that's not necessarily seen as a, um, not, a, that's not, you know, an asset that you're, you're, you're splitting your jaw over that you're, uh, you're emptying the tank over that you're burning all, you're burning all the coal for, um, you know, if we're, if we're, we're talking, I don't know. I had, I had a brief sort of reincarnation of 1800s, tr- 1800s trains come up in my head. So I felt the need to say that, um, but you know, that that's that's sort of the you know the dynamic of this Mavericks front office. They're they're um they're a locomotive that uh that continues to churn uh and, until the wheels fall off and, and and until they get off track and um you know time and time again they they kind of seem like they're doing this whole two steps back one one foot forward type thing until uh, it sort of culminates and uh, there's not enough lubrication and they they lose their way off the tracks and and we saw that with the Jalen Brunson scenario. They, they, they completely got derailed, you know, flipped off, led astray, took a back. And uh, now they hear they're, they're here where they are today. And we're, we're discussing an article as to why they need draft lottery luck to, um, you know, be the best potential version of themselves. So all we can do is uh, sit and wait in our happy little cor- corner on May 15th and hope that uh, May, 16th. May 16th rather, and hope that uh, deputy commissioner Mark Tatum, uh, pronounces the the ping pong balls in a favorable manner. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I mean, I think that you said it as best as you could, and especially the the train um, allusions that you had made were uh, quite quite unique. But um, <clears throat> you know, to your point, I, I do think that you know this team is pretty much in need of you know that draft lottery or draft lottery to go in favor. They they need that luck. In my opinion, I know that you had said that others that were making the argument that, you know, they didn't need that trade value or they didn't need um, that top 10 pick to necessarily be in the runnings for multiple players. But I, I think, you know, from a more realistic standpoint, if we're really looking at it and, you know, really taking a step back and looking at it, you know, this team does need that top 10 pick or possibly even a top four pick for that matter. Um, you know, there's just too many outlets, I think, that you can do within those picks uh, to either get, you know, multiple players uh, even draft cap, uh, draft capital for that sense, um, or even that you know coveted star player, or even you know maybe a dra- uh, some sort of uh, draftee, whoever it is. But I, I just think that there's multiple avenues that the Mavericks need to take. Uh, I did like what you said about Austin Gurria. He basically said you know this team is three or four moves away, uh, and I share that same sort of uh, statement in that sense where you know this team is multiple moves away uh, from being where they need to be. Uh, with the you know 24 year old Luka Doncic and you know they're pretty much uh, they're always as you say they're always you know multiple steps backwards from that so I think uh, if the Mavericks want any chance to sort of 
uh, mend or even, you know, uh, get back on track for since uh, it would be on May 16th, getting that top 10 or possibly a top four pick. No, I, I would totally agree with you um, from that standpoint. Um, just sort of segueing here, um, you know, obviously the, the Mavericks, you know, pick is, is paramount, but things, things could go, you know, sideways from that perspective. And, you know, they, they may have to explore other avenues in this, you know, Tim Cato article, you know, he, he talks about, you know, Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, being some of the Mavericks' only positive out assets outside of Luka. Uh, what, what do you come to make out of those, those players and just their, their future in the Mavericks? Um, you know, we'll obviously dive deeper into all those respected guys. And we already did Jaden Hardy's, like, sustainability rating and all that in our whole season review podcast that so you guys can go check out, of course. Uh, we have yet to do Tim Hardaway Jr., of course, and Josh Green. Um, but what do you have to make of the uh, the potential for the Mavericks to, you know, have to expel even more assets than, you know, they'd potentially be willing to even bargain for? Um, you know, particularly, I, I think in the case if they're trading Josh Green or Jaden Hardy, that would probably denote that they maybe didn't get the top 10 pick um, and that they're they're kind of having to, pull out a little more than they initially, you know, foresaw or, you know, anticipated. Um, what, what does that say just in regards to the desperation of this team um, at this stage in, in the sort of Luka life cycle? And, you know, what does it say about how, how, uh, how just, you know, how much their, you know, margin for error is going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, I, you know, me personally, I do think uh, one of three or two of three will probably be out. Uh, I just think, you know, with Jason Kidd, his comments basically being um, there's going to be a lot of new faces by, you know, the start of next year. And I, I agree with that statement. I think that there probably needs to be if they want, you know, actual change within this organization and within this team. Um, and I think, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I do think that it, it, it probably starts with trading one of those three guys. More favorably, I would like it to be Tim Hardaway. Um, you know, uh, we know what Tim Hardaway is going to be, and he's on a, a a somewhat favorable contract with that declining money line uh, within his, you know, waning years of that contract. So I, I think, you know, you're probably looking to trade him out of any of those two because, of course, I think it's at, at most importance uh, within the trade market to probably retain uh, Jane Hardy and Josh Green uh, just, you know, because they're they're young, talented um, you know, soon to be good role players. Uh, I don't know about Jane Hardy yet, but I think Josh Green, we do know that would be probably the case. So I think, you know, if, if you can, uh, I guess like looking back on this, or looking back on this podcast multiple months from now, whether it's the start of next season or whatever, but I do think that you can see what this Mavericks team will do, uh, whether they trade or do not trade um those three guys because I do think you know those are definitely the three most favorable contracts that this team has and tradable contracts for that matter um you know I, I think that you could probably get good value as well so you know depending on what they do with those three guys I think is really going to be the shape of this offseason uh I you know I do agree with you Will that if they trade Jaden Hardy or Josh Green or possibly even both um that is likely that the team you know lost that top 10 pick um, and if they simply just go with a, you know, Tim Hardaway swap or a Tim Hardaway trade, that's probably just moving on from him and trying to get some new faces in. So I, I think that there's a lot that you can do and look at uh, by the types of trades that they make with these three guys.
Yeah, you know, especially with with Tim Hardaway, it almost seems like surefire that he potentially, you know, may may be at the door with the ascension of Jaden Hardy, and um, you know, not that he's he is a, a dissimilar player from Tim Hardaway Jr. from you know some of the different things he can do with the ball in his hands, but um, in terms of the role that he would play for this Mavericks team, I don't think it would be all too different from the current Tim Hardaway Jr. role. And, you know, for that reason alone, you, you know, you look at his ascension, did he prove enough late in the season um, to, to take over that, that, that helm there and, you know, make Tim Hardaway expendable. Should you package Tim Hardaway Jr. with a future first, you know, those are all, I, I think, very uh, provocative questions in nature. Um, so, you know, just with that being said, um, what did you have to think, you know, of uh, if we just want to highlight a few more maybe like tidbits from from Cubans uh, media availability and stuff like that with Brunson because I know we got into that with the uh, the previous article but it does talk a little bit about that and and Tim Cato's article here as well um, and, you know and just the uh, the sort of uh, chicken game that the Mavericks played with Brunson's camp um, do you think that the Mavericks should have been more you know just aggressive at the forefront uh, you know at the point of attack? to try to get Brunson uh, should they have uh, took the initiative and, you know, not just simply, you know, waited for a meeting or do you think that they should have kind of operated like the damsels and distress that they did just kind of the ex-girlfriend uh, w- waiting for uh, her boyfriend to come back and share the same sentiments as her. Uh, but unfortunately he, uh, he moved on pretty fast and just didn't want to give them the time of day. Uh, so do, do you think that they should have been more just maybe aggressive in their pursuit? And what do you think of them um, repeating the uh, the same mistake in a sense? Because it's the, I thought one of the more comical uh, sort of tidbits from this article is the fact that the Mavericks uh, had crafted a sentimental video for Jalen Brunson. Uh, and if you know anything about the Mavericks and free agency offseason videos, look no further than the Mavericks 2013 free agency pitch to Dwight Howard. Uh, you can find that that video anywhere on YouTube. Um, it, it looks as if, you know, Jake at State Farm went on, went on his laptop and opened up Photoshop and decided to make a, a fun little uh, two-minute adventure for the day. So I, uh, I can only imagine what they crafted for Jalen Brunson, but I, I can only hope that it was, uh, it was not near as, uh, as comical and, uh, and I, and I guess lack, lack of a better, you know, lack of a better term, just immature. Um, and, and I hope that it was uh, a, a little more like professionally and sentimentally drawn out, but, you know, luckily they never even got to explore that Avenue with him. So we, we don't know exactly what happened there. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, uh, the whole sentimental video thing um, as well as uh, just, you know, the whole, you know, just the, the reiteration of the Brunson series and could the Mavericks have been more, more aggressive in their pursuits, despite, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, not being, you know, granted the meeting and, you know, not, and, and the fact that Brunson probably wouldn't have expect, ex- accepted that four fifty-six million dollar figure early on the season when that extension was supposedly uh, on the table. Uh, so do, do you think the Mavericks just could have been more aggressive in those endeavors? And uh, what do you think of the tribute video? Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially looking at it now, I think the Mavericks probably 
should have been and could have been a little more aggressive. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to put myself back uh, into the times where those discussions were actually being happened, and we didn't really know the 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 uncertain future. But you know, definitely looking back on it, and especially the stories that have come out from Brunson and you know the Mavericks, uh, it, it did kind of seem like the Mavericks just took a step back. Uh, let the Knicks almost take care of the situation or let Jalen Brunson decide. And I, I think the Mavericks should have been a little bit more aggressive, either with the dollar amount, um, with what they could have offered him, or even with, you know, the, you know, just sort of action of it all. Because uh, I do remember, you know, middle of that season, you know, there was sort of a, who's going to resign first? Will it be Jalen Brunson or will it be Dorian, Dorian Finney-Smith? And of course, Dorian resigned that uh, pretty good extension for, you know, what he offers. And I mean, look at it today. He's in Brooklyn. So I, you know, I, I think the Mavericks definitely could have been a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, with the regarding the whole tribute video thing, I, I do think that is quite comical or uh yeah, whatever. Uh I think that it's, <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny. Um, just because, you know, I feel like this this team is they feel like they can do anything with a video almost. Uh I mean, we saw the video. Not the video, but we saw a video uh, in December 27th matchup versus the New York Knicks. And it, I mean, if I'm being honest, for a guy who spent four years in Dallas, I didn't really feel like it was the best tribute video. Um, a great, I mean, yeah, but, play, it, but it wasn't like it wasn't bad, but it, but it also, no, it wasn't was, bad, but he also wasn't it, even playing or anything. So the moment was not, yeah, um, that, that's it, that, it wasn't that's as, you know, it wasn't as, I guess, pinnacled as it could as it could have been, but it yeah, was, but. It if it was anything like that, I don't think that uh, Jalen Brunson would have even given the Dallas Mavericks a thought. But I don't know. We've heard his comments before. He came out publicly and pretty much said he wished the, the situation went a little different. Uh, he, you know, wanted to stick out his career in Dallas, which I think any of that play or any player of that caliber probably would have as well. Um, but, you know, we look at today's situation. He's in New York in the second round of the playoffs where they're tied one to one. And I believe they play tonight or tomorrow night. Um, and I mean, look like. Uh, I think, you know, he might be a better player because of it because he actually has his own team. But uh, I think the Mavericks sincerely fucked up uh, with this whole situation. And, you know, you can only hope that they learned from it. But we've seen 18 years ago before I was even or I guess I was born uh, by then. But with the whole Steve Nash thing, uh, you know, they clearly do not learn from their mistakes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a situation that I think was almost waiting to happen, especially in the Luka era with everything that's gone wrong. And uh, I mean, you can only hope that Kyrie doesn't walk, but who knows? Yeah, uh, this wasn't something that was specifically listed in the article, but Mark Cuban um, really, you know, sort of took heed and uh, attributed some of the Mavericks woes this season to um, some very interesting, you know, I, I mean, I, I can get how they were definitely some woes they experienced this year, but uh, for him to make it seem as if that these were uh, some of the main problems at the forefront of this team um, and that that pregame media availability versus the Kings on April 5th was very interesting to me. Um, he cited the transition take foul and the the new pace of play in the NBA as uh, some of the larger factors that sort of uh, threw the, uh, the front office astray this year and um, they, they, they weren't prepared for and uh, that, they, they, you know, it definitely obstructed their ability to to, to build a capable roster. Um, do you think that, that those factors are, um, are, were actually, you know, decisive 
in, in, in the Mavericks decision-making process uh, going forward? And do you think that they, they really did throw them a curveball uh, in a sense, or do, do you think that this was a, a, a sort of PR stunt maybe um, by Mr. Cuban? Look, I, I think that this will end in one of the top five quotes of all time by Mark Cuban, because this is, Honestly, you know, I think that the most most of the frustration lands uh, in those comments. I feel like with this simple comment where, uh, you know, the pace of the game and simply the transition take foul just hurt the Mavericks so much that they had to lose 44 games because of it. Um, I, I think that will definitely go down as one of the more comedic statements by Mr. Mark Cuban. And I'm not going to take, you know, too much time into that because I, I just don't think it warrants too much time. But uh, simply to come out with an excuse like that is uh, quite childish. And, uh, you know, as someone who is a business owner and an owner of an organization and franchise in Dallas uh, for the NBA, Dallas Mavericks, you know, I, I think that is simply utter frustrating to be a fan of that team. And, you know, lack of accountability, le- very, very much a lack of accountability. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's simply all that probably needs to be said. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, one of the more uh, prominent features that Cato kind of had in this article, I mean, it, it was sort of breaking news, but not breaking news, if that makes sense. Um, but just a, a confirmation of sorts that Christian Wood likely is not going to be back. Um, he, he said as much in the article that the team does not have plans to bring him back or they don't think well, the team source, whatever, did not expect him to be back. Obviously, uh, they talked about in the article that uh, I guess Christian Wood's agent as well as, you know, the Mavericks, I guess, had sort of competing visions of what uh, Christian Wood was supposed to look like in Dallas. You know, the the Mavericks more along the lines of, of salary dumping their players and, and taking a flyer on a young-ish player. And uh, Christian Wood's agent, you know, was looking at uh, this, tra- this trade as a, a shift for Christian Wood's career and an opportunity for him to, to make a run at um, an all-star title an opportunity for him to play on a winning team for the first time in his career. Uh, do, do you want to just talk about the, the sort of shift in ideology there from, uh, you know, agent to front office um, as, as well as um, just the reaction around Mavs fans, given how, you know, the Christian Wood situation uh, end up, ended up and, you know, he, he went on and he went uh, on Twitter after the fact and, you know, posted, oh, don't read what you're saying about the media, blah, 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 uh, you know, seemingly referencing Cato's article. So who knows how much of it's true or whatever. Um, but he said, all, all the story will come to the forefront whenever I choose to tell it. So, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get some clip on him in a podcast in about six years. bashing On the Title League podcast. Yes, yeah, so on the Title League podcast or, you know, maybe um, what, what's the one with LeBron? What, maybe Draymond's podcast. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe old man the three any of those just degrading Mavs podcasts that always feature you know guests like Jalen Brunson and you know Spencer Dinwiddie and you know just a, a bunch of beautiful ex Mavs that we really like and covet that you know just have to talk about how unfortunate the the um, the departure was. So um, what did you uh, what do you come to surmise of all that? Yeah, I mean I, I think. Uh, as we said in the Christian Wood player profile video, um, I, I think that there was a clear disconnect while that trade happened uh, between front office and coach. Um, and I, I think it was clear on the court. We saw it for 82 games this year, or however many games that he played, um, that there was a clear disconnect. And I, you know, 
Conversely so. I think that there's a disconnect between the front office and also agent uh, and what Christian Wood wanted and what uh, his agent wanted between the front office. I think that there was quite a disconnect there. So from three parties or four, if you want to count Christian Wood as a party, there's a, a clear disconnect there. Um, and, you know, ended it up pretty much dictating what would happen this season. And that was uh, a disappointing season for Christian Wood, or at least in his eyes. I think we definitely saw some positives, but in the in the long run, it was disappointing. It was disappointing the way it uh, ended. And, uh, you know, if that isn't the true story, if uh, Christian Wood's going to come out in six years um, on those esteemed podcasts that you had listed uh, and tell the truth, then I, I think, you know, there will be some much needed uh, sort of arrangements to be made. But, you know, I, I think that there was definitely some clear disconnect between every party uh, that was ever involved in that sort of transaction and, you know, and pretty much this whole season, I, I think it was, you know, written on stone that this uh, was going to almost not work, uh, at least past the first 20 games. So I, I think, you know, that's the importance of communication, kids. Um, always communicate, always be communica communicative and, uh, you know, be 100% with people. So or else, you know, Christian Wood will happen in Dallas. And clearly, you know, like I said, there's disconnects from every party. So. Yeah, I feel like this podcast has been just reciting the perils of my relationship with my girlfriend, but <laughs> it's talking about the Mavericks the whole time. So uh, that, that's that been like one of the, the funnier dynamics of this whole situation is uh, just how uh, how relationship and based that the Mavericks front office operates and just how, how loving of an organization. Actually, if you want to be a good boy. Despite all the cultural transgressions that have yes. transpired since 2018, but that that, be, that just doesn't that never happened so yeah that never worry, happened. that never ha that never happened we got cynthia marshall now um but uh anyways uh i, I don't i don't want to go on a tangent here um but you know cato also does listen this article that you know the mavericks are obviously prioritizing rebounding and defending you know nico harrison said as much at uh at his as it at his exit interviews so that's no surprise to nobody um, you know, just given the, I think the centripetal issues of this team, um, if, if you watched even one or two games, you could see that they, they couldn't rebound or defend at, um, at, uh, I mean, honestly, like there's probably a few college teams that, that go in there and, and, and fit the bill a little bit better. And, you know, is that, is that exaggeratory? Um, yes, but I mean, on certain nights, I mean, it was, bad like I don't know you Florida State has a lot of seven footers man I I really think that they they would have been able to on a, on a given night maybe uh, there's a few college teams that are out rebounding and out defending the Mavericks so uh, it, it definitely got to that that you know stage in the season where you know they they just didn't seem like they could get out of their own way with this whole thing like they it just culminated into you know those two Hornets losses uh, to the point where it, it was just saloon door central. Um, you know, it was like just a, a, a giant, you know, Dwight Powell airplane, you know, going by in the sky um, with the, uh, you know, words up on the flag right behind the airplane saying, come right through, you know, free, free baskets. And uh, that, that's kind of like what the last 15 games felt for the Mavericks cheering. Um, and, you know, it was obviously epitomized with those, those two losses to the Hornets and the, uh, eventual end of the season. Um, so what, what, you know, 
is there a specific type of player uh, that that you think the Mavericks can find that do both of those, or do you think that they need to find, you know, multiple sort of guys that can, that can fill some of those holes that they have on their roster right now? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm going to stick with what you said on Twitter. I, I think that they're they have to go the route of multiple players. I just don't think you know. Yeah, so that, that's my thing. I just think that yeah. there's no depth scarce. Like, well, there's no gonna, depth. And... If they were to add, like, okay, if they empty the tank this this off season for for OG and Anobi, right? Okay, and that's all they do. Like, do you think that this team's a championship team now? No, they, I don't think they are because I th- I think you're gonna have to unload more players than what you get. Um, I, I know OG offers defending and rebounding for that matter, but I just simply don't think that there is one guy, uh, unless if it's like a, you know, superstar player, Joel Embiid, uh, I don't think that there's one guy that can offer uh, what this team so desperately needs. I think that they they have to go the route of, you know, getting possibly two, maybe even three more wings uh, added to what they already have. And, you know, also, you know, adding on a, good center uh whether that's you know deandre aiden or something i think that they're probably gonna have to go the star route uh on that position but i think you have to go depth well, to, to, to see like significant improvement i i think yeah. they could structure their team in a way where they don't necessarily need a star center but i don't think that i don't think yeah. they need a star center i'm just saying i, I think that yeah the bet the best route that this team has is definitely going the depth route I'm just saying, if you want this offseason to go full 100%, you know, possibly even winning a championship, Ooh. you go depth and you go star. But I just it don't sounds, think that's it sounds like a title for, for an offseason podcast. What that is, is the idealistic offseason for the Mavericks? <laughs> One month from now. <laughs> yes. One month from now is when we're a week away from the draft and me and Jaren are peeing our pants on a daily basis, uh, awaiting, um, you know, what the, the just the, the sheer anticipation. Um, of what the Mavericks are going to do on draft night, not from the perspective that they have a top 10 pick, but we're just going to see if they trade any of their future first. Cause knowing us, the 22, 20.2% chance is uh, that shit might as well be a hundred percent. There you go. Knowing <laughs> our luck. I, I am very excited for May 16th. Me and Jaron have some, some jovial endeavors planned for that day. Um, we'll be live streaming our, our ultimate demise and, uh, you know, the, the whole world will be able to see it at, at live. So you guys should watch that with us if, if you're at all interested. But if you want to watch it happen in real time at your own speed, then, you know, I totally understand that as well. But, you know, you guys choose your 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 avenues, but we, we would be welcomed to have you join us for that May 16th live stream. Um, but nonetheless, Jaron, you know, we, we've kind of just been sort of going all over the, the place throughout this Cato article. Um, but it just, uh, it houses some really good tidbits within here. And, and there's just a lot of like, you know, sort of, uh, gimmicky points of information, not, not from the standpoint of like the, that they're fake or anything, but, uh, there, are some of those, you know, a lot, a lot of these paragraphs are, are ones that you can kind of maybe just take verbatim or, or maybe read a bit, or re- like read a, bit, a little bit more into, and, and that's, what's been, you know, so intriguing about it. So. Um, you know, towards the end of the article, he, he references how there will likely be a lot of player movement from hopeful contenders this, this offseason, especially just the way the playoffs are going. And, um, you know, things are progressing through these rounds. And, you know, there's been some, you know, unforeseen injuries, uh, you know, teams that are, are performing um, lower than expected, uh, you know, particularly like, you know, some of the one seeds, like we, you know, the Bucks, you know, potentially the Suns losing in the second round uh, rather quickly to the Nuggets. 
Um, you know, obviously that series will be continuing as the Nuggets are up 2-0, but it's not looking uh, too favorable for the Suns at the moment. Um, so, you know, at the forefront of that, they're, they're obviously uh, that's going to yield um, some sort of, you know, discontent and, and desire to, to shift things up. And uh, obviously a lot is to be made about, you know, Kyrie Irving's impending, impending free agency in Dallas and what exactly he's going to do. Um, we obviously talked about, you know, at the opening of the podcast, the whole Laker game thing and how we didn't really bode much credence to that. Now, uh, Cato's article was a sort of confirmation bias uh, that that we were right in that sense. But, um, you know, it a lot of people um, have been, you know, listing some destinations as to where Kyrie may want to go if he was to depart this offseason. And it's definitely not totally out of the realm. And it could hit us like a sort of bat out of hell if it happens. And uh, the Mavericks don't have anybody really to place that misfortune upon other than themselves if it happens, not, not from the standpoint that, you know, it was like the Jalen Brunson or or like the Steve Nash scenario where they just screwed up the, the, the mismanagement of the contract and everything. But just that the, they got a player that was on an expiring contract. Like they kind of signed themselves up for, it, uh, you know, an especially volatile uh, guy when it comes to decision-making and what he chooses to do in life. Not, not saying that that's a bad thing or not, but he, he does have a track record of kind of being, you know, just all over the place with these things. So uh, it's definitely not something that they, they should be surprised if it does happen. You know, I think me and you are, you know, kind of teeter teeter tottering between the day, what exactly is going to happen with this Kyrie situation. And, it's crazy because, you know, it, it just shows you, you know, not just how volatile Kyrie is, but how volatile this Mavericks team is, you know, uh, this, this off season is, um, you know, like quintessential to the Mavericks being for their future, because like literally everything has to go right. We can't just get the top 10 pick. We also have to re-sign Kyrie. We also have to make another trade probably with Tim Hardaway Jr. in the 2027 first, like we're, we're talking a chain of about three or four events here uh, that, have to transpire and transpire correctly for, um, you know, this team to recover from the Jalen Brunson situation. Just, just seeing the fallout from this has been um, a really wild dynamic that has, has came to the forefront here. So um, I was just, you know, curious as to, do you think the Mavericks could recover from Kyrie leaving it? You know, Tim, Tim Cato in this article mentions possibilities of potential maybe sign in trades, because uh, I don't really see the avenues to the Mavericks being able to get guys like this unless they were to just empty the tank. Um, so, you know, the two guys he mentioned in specific, of course, were Chris Middleton and, and DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, maybe they could get one of those guys if they, if they were to empty the tank. Um, but, you know, it, it almost would, you know, basically uh, give you the assurance that, that Kyrie was, um, you know, the, the spearhead in a sign and trade if the Mavericks were to acquire one of those guys and, and something like that would, would be facilitated. Do you think the Mavericks uh, could recover if they were forced into a, a Kyrie sign and trade? And if he wasn't, you know, willing to work with them on that for whatever reason, if they didn't do a sign and trade, um, just, just speak to how screwed this franchise would be uh, regardless of if they got their top 10 pick or not. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I want to see Chris Middleton. I want to see DeAndre Ayton in a Dallas uniform just as much as the next person. But, you know, the realistic avenues to get those two players in a Mavericks uniform would be, you know, more than likely Kyrie leaving, uh, a.k.a. or via a sign-and-trade. Um, or if he stays, you could maybe empty the tank to get one of them. Yeah, you can maybe empty the tank to get one of them, but, the, you know, there's no guarantee on that. Um, 
you know, I, I do think, as you said, there is, you know, avenues. Um, but essentially, you know, if, you know, basically Kyrie walked for nothing, the Mavericks didn't get the top 10 pick. If everything went bad, uh, that could go bad in this offseason, like it did go like it did go this season. Um, you know, you could potentially see just a complete I don't mean to say this, but within the next year, possibly two, a complete, you know, uh, pretty much a boarding of the ship, um, I, I guess is probably the best way to put it. I, I think that there would be a lot of new faces coming in and going out and that might even include Luca. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the forefront of this offseason has to be re-signing Kyrie. I think that uh, shares the sent- uh, same sentiment within this Mavericks organization. But um, even still, if he does go out in a signing trade or if he walks for nothing, um, I, you know, this team would be in pretty much a pit of trouble uh, because of the lack of asset management, which led to which led them to pretty much trading for Kyrie. And if, you know, everything went if everything went wrong, then there you go. Yeah, no, 100 percent. If it, I think if they um, like realistically lost Kyrie for nothing, then that could, you know, lead to the ultimate demise of, you know, Lucas time in Dallas and, you know, everything that they'd work to attain in the first place. So that, that would definitely be uh, the sort of doomsday scenario of sorts. And, you know, you, you can see the frustration and uh, the, uh, the sort of, I guess, uh, just sort of worried anticip- anticipation of some of the, even like the team employees. There's like two quotes in the article uh, that Cato has here uh, where these team employees are, you know, noticeably and pretty vividly, um, you know, frustrated, at least by their quotes, uh, one team employee or team source, whatever, uh, you know, was, was seen by saying that, you know, he did not expect this situation to be this bad. And uh, he was, you know, anticipating something of the sorts like this coming, coming for years, just given how the uh, organization has, you know, sort of committed malpractice in terms of their asset management, but, you know, not even to this degree of what should happen. And, you know, another team employee like dropped the F-bomb. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of discontent that is precipitating uh, down within the Mavericks front office chambers, uh, whether any of that gets, you know, publicly leaked or we actually get to see it uh, other than the, uh, you know, bright beautiful face of mark cuban the the all curing propaganda facade um you know whether we get to you know that's what's presented to us and you know makes us more frustrated uh there is clearly discontentment behind the scenes and you know that this front office has failed time at time out and time again and uh it it seems like uh some of the, uh, the the players in the front office whoever they are um you know whether they're just regular team employees like a bobby corolla for instance or you know, actual guys, you know, working with within the, the front office, like they're, they're capologists that they, they don't need because they don't know how to manage the cap or work around the cap. Um, those are all, uh, you know, integral players in this front office. And, um, you know, it, it's not good to breed a front office of discontentment. So we'll see if they can work to mend the situation and what is uh, probably one of the, the most pivotal off seasons in franchise history. I mean, definitely top three you know maybe you could argue one of those off seasons after the championship years trying to get Dirk another ring was more important than this but you know or maybe one of the you know Dirk's lead up in his prime years around like 04 05 um but this is this is basically the uh the swing and the miss at uh 
winning a championship while you still have Luca because things get really dizzy if uh, if Kyrie leaves and you know you're trying to sell Luca on uh, a rebuild because that is a you know that there's a world where they lose their pick and Kyrie leaves and uh, you're kind of stuck in the mud and uh, you're trying to sell Luca on a rebuild so I mean who knows exactly what you know could happen I feel like every time we do one of these sort of podcasts we tend to get into the most uh, dark doomsday scenario possible but you know I'd be remiss to say that we wouldn't be doing this like two three years ago we we'd be more upbeat uh, we wouldn't we we would at least think that there's a certain floor that this team has now um, you know maybe if it is a they, they do have skyscraper potential at the high end of things if everything is to go right there they have a, a bottomless pit that they could sort of sink into here. And it's a very um, just volatile situation in nature. I've used that word like five times this podcast, but I really don't know what other word can really epitomize the the situation that this team has sunk into because of past offseason uh, failures, uh, past front office failures, and, um, and, and the current, you know, sort of, I guess, just mending and, you know, trying to right the situation and the wrongs of the past, you know, if, if, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I know that situation isn't really necessarily applicable here because they were kind of broke in the first place, but you know, they, they could be tearing themselves a much bigger wound. So we'll just have to see how it is. Um, Sorry for the uh, pessimistic outlook as we close this podcast, but you know, when you uh when you allocate most of your taxpayer mid-level exception to you know a 35 year old center who was playing 10 minutes a game in the in the playoffs the the previous year things like this tend to add up just it's just a little stuff jaron and you know we didn't even get into a lot of the failures that they had uh, we only really talked about you know the big things like porzingis trade you know past draft failures but all the little things have culminated up until this point where uh they they literally have to hit the nail on the head on uh, every single decision they make this free agency. So there will obviously be a lot of action this free agency that's irrefutable, whether it's good or bad for the Mavericks, whether they get good players or um, they, they whiff on everybody. They're going to have to change some names up in here uh, for things to go right for them. So we'll just have to see how, how it is. So it may be, uh, it'll be like the first off season where they actually make moves that uh, we draft up and, you know, we, you know, do all these draft profiles and, you know, free agency player profiles, like, Maybe they'll actually capitalize upon it for once this year, but um, they, they, they simply can't miss or, or things could be going south fast. But, you know, unless you have a, anything else uh, for this very somber end to the podcast, Jaren, uh, then we will go ahead and uh, part ways with you guys and see you in the next one. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening thus far. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. We are on almost any podcast listening platform we would really appreciate it we'd really appreciate it if you guys gave us a five-star review and um you know showered us in praise and uh really told us what you liked about our podcast we do appreciate you guys if you have actually listened this far in the podcast though in all seriousness because uh we would imagine that that's not too many of you and uh also make sure to like comment and subscribe on our youtube comment down below where is Theo Penson's next landing spot if the Mavericks vibes completely fall apart and he has to go invigorate spirit and 
you know, a, a, a sort of sense of, you know, just happiness and, and liberation from the torturous situation that was the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, where, where is he going to go light the candle, Jaron? Where is Theo Pinson going to go light the candle? Uh, that is the question of the day for the YouTube subscribers. Other than that, this is Mainstream Mavs, and we will catch you guys in the next podcast as we go back to our season in reviews. Peace out. Bye-bye.